Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Happy Sunday. It is almost Christmas. Hello to those of you who are tuning in online. We are glad that you have extended our worshiping community. What a blessing and a gift for the people of God to gather in, shall I say, divine worship right before Christmas. I'm Gary Henderson, one of the pastors here. Bless you. I want to begin with uh, offering a centering prayer. The centering prayer is actually just one verse of scripture. I want to read it twice with the hope that you will remember it, maybe even write it down. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. A lot of Luke Bibles in the room. You can write that down. Listen to this prayer. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. In the, in the New Revised Standard Version, it says, let us hold fast the confession of hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Lord, let it be so. Amen. The pop singer Andy Williams released his first Christmas album in 1963. In that album, he sang a song that was written the same year by songwriter Edward Pola and orchestra leader and composer George Weil. The song was released 60 years ago. And I'm sure that most, if not all of you, know some of the lyrics and could probably sing them too. Please resist the urge to sing. <laughs> There's somebody beside you, all right? Just, just listen, listen to the lyrics for now. It's the most wonderful time of the year with kids jingle-belling and everyone telling you to be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the hap, hap, happiest season of all, with those holiday greetings and gay happy meetings when friends come to call. It's the hap, hap, happiest time of the year. There'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling all in the snow. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing, and hearts will be going when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time of the year. The song has become a Christmas tradition and is recorded by countless artists since 1963. My favorite, Johnny Mathis. Amy Grant, Garth Brooks, Jennifer Lopez, Justin Bieber, and the iconic and music chart-topping Taylor Swift. <laughs> Even Swifties sing this song. 
The song is a celebration and a description of the activities associated with the Christmas season, focusing primarily on get-togethers between friends and family. The song paints a beautiful picture of the mood of Christmas. It is for many the on-ramp for experiences of joy and even singing. It's hard to hear it and not sing. It's hard to hear it and not have your mood lifted. It's hard to hear it and not want to celebrate life and living. Never doubt, never doubt the impact that two minutes and 33 seconds can make. That is the recorded length of the entire song. If you don't believe me, just go to YouTube. <laughs> as beautiful and as uplifting as the song is, the song does not tell us why it is the most wonderful, beautiful time of the year. We must not look to the song for the answer but to the Bible as to the question, why? What's the answer? Why is it the most wonderful, beautiful time of the year? As we enter week six, I think there's 65 weeks to go in Luke, our year-long study of the gospel the daddy of John the Baptist, Zechariah, provides some answers. Listen to the lyrics of his song. His song begins this way. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to save his people. Our God has given us a mighty savior from the family of David, his servant, Long ago, the Lord promised by the words of his holy prophets to save us from our enemies and from everyone who hates us. God said he would be kind to our people and keep his sacred promise. He told our ancestor Abraham that he would rescue us from our enemies. Then we could serve him without fear by being holy and good as long as we live, you, my son, will be called the prophet of God Most High. You will go ahead of the Lord to get everything ready for him. You will tell the people that they can be saved from their sins and are forgiven. You may recall that up to this moment, for nine months, Zechariah, whose name means God remembers, has been unable to speak. He doubted the word given to him by the angelic visitor Gabriel. Zechariah questioned whether an old man and an old woman could have a child. But after confirmation, of the naming of the child. What will we call him? His name is John, but there's nobody named John in the family. It literally means God is gracious, or Yahweh, God has given. After confirmation of the song of the name, Zechariah begins to sing. After a long period 
after a long period of silence, Zechariah chooses to sing. In silence, Zechariah had begun to see the big picture of what God was doing. Silence forced him into the spiritual waiting room where God is revealed in suffering. His loss of power was redemptive. His inability to speak or to be understood left plenty of space for sacred listening. I'm so glad that space is intentionally offered at Providence Church for quiet hours and centering prayers. Sacred spaces for silence and listening is life-giving. Because of the forced silence, I believe Zechariah understood that his inability to speak was not a punishment. It was for him an opportunity. I believe that Zechariah burst out of, burst out into song out of renewed recognition that God is a promise keeper. The birth of John, who would be called the Baptist, is a culmination of multiple promises being kept. And so John must testify through a song. You can see a list of promises kept as you reread the text later this week and later today and in your own way begin to sing Zechariah's song. God promised in the text that through the prophets to provide a deliverer through the family of David, promise kept. God promised to save from enemies, promise kept. God promised to show mercy, promise kept. God promised to keep his word to Abraham and make his name great, promise kept. He promised to shine light into darkness, promise kept. And the penultimate, I just like the word, the last but the one, the penultimate promise kept in this moment is God promised to deliver a child to Zechariah and Elizabeth when they were well beyond childbearing years, promise kept. Silence allowed Zechariah to see that his son would be a prophet who would go ahead of the Lord and get things ready he could see that his son would point to the ultimate, to the ultimate, the last one who is our Savior. Today, among Christians, his song is called the Benedictus. You see, when promises are kept, we sing. You remember that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. John the Baptist and Jesus the Christ had an in utero introduction to one another. After the response of the babies, Mary too sang. Today, among Christians, her song is called the Magnificat. You see, when promises are kept, we sing. Luke chapter 1 gives us all sorts of clues as to why this is the most wonderful time of the year. Allow me to go backwards now in the storyline to verses 57 and verse 58. 
when Elizabeth's son was born, her neighbors and relatives heard how kind the Lord had been to her, and they were glad. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy, and they shared her joy. These two verses hold within them the fulfillment of promise and the demonstration of joyful response. Elizabeth had a child beyond what was considered the normal age for a woman to be able to have children. Her pregnancy was quite unexpected. In fact, it was miraculous. I'm reminded that a miracle is what seems impossible happens anyway. Please don't judge me. The quote is from Men in Black 3. <laughs> a miracle is what seems impossible but happens anyway, regardless of the source, true. But check this out. When her neighbors and relatives discovered that the one who had been barren had a son, they came out and they were glad and they shared her joy. I get excited by the response of the neighbors and relatives because they model for us how good news and joy is meant to be shared. When promises are kept, joy is shared. It is a wonderful time of the year. Because we are reminded that nothing, nothing is impossible with, uh, impossible with God. It is a wonderful time of the year. We are reminded that God is a miracle worker. How is it possible that an old couple well beyond their prime have a baby? How is it possible that a teenager becomes pregnant and gives birth without intimacy with a man? How do you explain angelic visitors? How do you explain two incredible births? If I run ahead in the storyline of Luke to chapter 2, that's next week, how do you explain a heavenly choir? We explain it with a response that's well known at Providence Church. God did it. God did it. We explain it with the recognition that miracles are real and we lean into the faith that miracles still happen today. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for a miracle. I'm expecting a miracle to see. I'm expecting to see some miracles. We, 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 please join me in expecting a miracle. A miracle over here and some miracles over there. And this section, you get miracles and you get miracles and you get miracles and you get some too. I'm feeling a little bit like Oprah today. <laughs> because of the good news, joy is birthed in us. It is a wonderful time of the year. I get to sing, we get to sing joy to the world. 
When promises are kept, joy is shared. Pastor Jacob reminded us several weeks ago, asked us to pay attention to four things as we spend a year in Luke. Just a reminder, perhaps a remedial lesson of those four things that you all wrote down and that we all have been looking at since then. Lost things, Jerusalem, prediction, miracles. As I consider the assignment to all of us, I'm aware that Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 80, 24 verses, aren't you glad I didn't read them all, is punctuated with predictions and miracles. I highlight a few now. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, we find these words. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, a prediction and a miracle that we see in Luke. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, we find recorded, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing, a prediction to Abraham and a promise kept revealed in Luke. Isaiah 40 verse 3 paints a very clear picture, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God a prediction fulfilled in John the Baptist and recorded in Luke. Andrew Williams was so right. It is a wonderful time of the year. But let me tell you why. It's a wonderful time of the year because we get so many reminders that God is a promise keeper. In the words of theologian, pastor, and mystic Howard Thurman, the mood of thanksgiving overwhelms us when we remember how good and how great is our fortune. Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude is a place that can push us to the overflow of praise. In African-American religious tradition, we often begin without prompting to sing words like this, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. And someone starts singing it over here. Someone begins to sing it over here, and, and it just moves across the room, and somebody begins to say, been so good. Been so good. Been so good. I just want to thank you. Thank you, Lord. Christmas, if you will allow it to be, is a pause point to be overwhelmed with gratitude. Gospel artist Hezekiah Walker expresses this gratitude this way. 
Oh, Gary. Oh, don't sing it, Gary. Just, just, oh, Gary, Gary. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, I'm, I'm back. I'm grateful for the things that you have done. Yes, I'm grateful for the victories we've won. I could go on and on about your works because I'm grateful. Grateful just to praise you, Lord. Flowing from my heart are the issues of my heart. It is gratefulness. Christmas, if you allow it to be, is a pause point to be overwhelmed with gratitude. Pay attention now. And leave behind the stuff that can weigh you down. Mm-hmm. Amen again. The wonderful time of the year has little to do with jingle bells, marshmallows, and mistletoe. It has everything to do with Jesus. Because of the nativity, the birth of Jesus. We recognize the God who keeps promises, and so we carol, and so we sing. Hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king. We sing, oh, come all ye faithful. We sing, go tell it on the mountain. We sing, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? We sing, what child is this who lay to rest on Mary is sleeping? We sing, oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. We sing joy, joy to the world. And like Zechariah, we create our own song of praise by our testimony. We tell others what God has done, what God is doing in our life, and our song is joined with those who are already singing and the biblical witness, and we share in the story together because of the nativity, the birth of Jesus. We recognize the God who keeps his promises. And so we, we share the joy. And because of our joy, we sing with reckless abandon. We don't care who's beside us. We've got joy, joy, joy down on the inside. And, and so we sing. We don't care who's hearing because we're lifting our song to God and to heaven. We because the joy sees every precious moment and we linger just a little while. We don't rush through the interchange and the conversation and the worship and the experience. We linger a while because of our joy. Because of joy, we attend to those in need. We care. We make room for others to worship. That means we don't come on Saturday now, but we come other times on Sunday because of joy. We give generously and we give freely. Because of joy, we share good news and we testify boldly. We are unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of salvation. We offer joy, we offer hope. We offer hope, healing, and wholeness. We offer hope, healing, and wholeness. And pardon my grammar, but I say it best this way. 
we be Providence Church. We be Providence Church. We offer hope, healing, and wholeness. I couldn't help myself, but I conclude with my remix of It's a Wonderful Time of the Year with Jesus on my mind. Oh, I'm tempted to sing it, but I won't. There's a sign we sing says, I won't. All right, I won't. But hear the, hear the Henderson remix of the song. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the family we are sharing and everyone caring, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the hap, hap, happiest season of the year when joy is unleashed and fellowship increases and people everywhere shout with glee. It's the hap, happiest season of the year. There will be candles for lighting, holy scripture for reciting, and good Christmas story to tell again and again. Angels rejoicing his birth celebrated and Jesus lifted to the glory of God. It is a wonderful time of the year. Why? Because our God keeps promises. Why? Because our God is a promise keeper. Why? Because Jesus is the best promise kept. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Hallelujah. Amen.